0: Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your kindness towards us. And Lord, your Word corrects my thinking and our thinking. It it's, uh, turns us in, in your way. It, gives us refreshed eyes to see, and and we so need you, and help us to even appreciate you and get you a little bit more, because you fully get us, and for that, that we say thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen? So, we're continuing our series in Corinthians this week and next week, then we'll end up the book, and we're going to move into James. That little book that packs a lot of power, the little letter that packs a lot of power. You know, uh, driving here this morning, I I did something I have done many times. So I get in my car, and I start backing up, and I have this thing, you know, like, did you, do you have your phone on you? Now, most of you might go, oh, pastor, what do you need your phone for? Well, a phone is more than a phone, right, because it's how I control my ears, up here, you know, we all have these things in our ears. So your phone has all these things that it does. So I stopped the car, go back in. And when I was, uh, when my daughter was younger, I was younger too, we would, we'd go to school and I'd take her to school and she'd stand at the door before I stepped out and go, dad, keys, cell phone, wallet, got it? Because she knew that I could get in the car many times and then have to go back for one of those things. It was like a little litany. And the scripture starts like this. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I need to be reminded of things. I mean, keys, cell phone, wallet, and mostly the gospel. Like I leak it, I forget it, right? My mind does not naturally go to the gospel. And I need to be reminded, and these guys need to be reminded two and he he goes on he says i would remind you brothers of the gospel that i preached to you which you received and in which you stand and by which you are being saved so if somebody comes up to you and goes are you saved are you what are you going to say to them yes but this says you are being saved would you go being (laughs) are you saved i am being saved they may look at you like what are you talking about I mean, do you ever wonder about this? The Bible has like these different times where it says you are saved and here it says you are being saved and, and then you can even find times where it says you will be saved. So you're like, which is it, right? Am I saved? Am I being saved? Am I not saved until I will be saved? You know. See, the Bible uses the same word for uh, many different ways of talking about salvation. You see here's the deal you are saved past tense from the penalty of sin right from the penalty he bore our sins on the cross you are being saved from the power of sin in our lives we've got we've got this new power in us this seed this foretaste of heaven and we are being saved from the power of sin sometimes the word that's used a theological word is sanctification and then we are uh, we will be saved from the presence of sin and then what's the consequence of sin what's the wages of sin anybody know that the wages of sin is death we will be saved from the presence of sin and the consequences or wages of sin which is death so So you are saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. And I kind of want to do that as my outline. He he goes in and he says, you're being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. You know, if you just stop at the first kind of saved, you know, Jesus died for my sins, now I have, you know, the punishment is gone, and you think the Christian life is an autopilot, I think you're believing in vain. Like, there's this, this whole other types of stuff that the Bible talks about, this process that we're in, that we participate in. I am being saved. There's a scripture that says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who wills and works within you. Like, salvation is not autopilot. People sometimes will talk about how God worked in their life when they were saved years ago. Like, oh, I remember when God first transformed me. But the trouble is, it would be like a baby or a man always talking about the wonders of his birth coming out of his mom's birth canal. You'd be like, have you been doing nothing else with your life since then? You know, I know that's a beautiful event, but there's more to it. So the Christian life is an autopilot, and he says, unless you believed in vain because we live in this life by and with the power of the next life you and i have this seed of greatness this this uh, reality of the holy spirit in us which is a foretaste of heaven and we live in the now with a taste with a bit of what is to come and by what is to come and he goes on and he says for i delivered to you what as first importance what i also received so paul's saying i got this and I'm passing it on, that Christ died for our sins according to scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then the twelve, okay, just a little aside, Judas was dead, so I think the twelve was kind of like saying, you know, the the Jackson family, right, it it had a they referred to him as the 12 even though there are only 11 now and then the 12 and after he appeared more than 500 now some believe that this is in galilee at his ascension that he appeared to 500 because if you read the scriptures closely he's saying go to galilee i'll meet you in galilee you know go head there And, and he appears to 500 right uh at one time Most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. That means some have died. Then he appeared to James. This is the Lord's brother. And then to the apostles, which would seem to be more than just the twelve. So there are other people who are apostles, who had been with Jesus, who were called apostles. And he appeared to them also. And then he says to me as one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. You know why is this important why is this a true story why is this part of history some people will say you know christianity is good for you as long as it's working in your life you know i mean if it's working it's good i remember my mom used to always uh share the gospel with her friend she had a friend that she made in college, a foreign exchange student back then. And you know, you know, when my mom was alive, you knew when her friends knew her by what they called her, because her name was Florence. So some people called her Flo, and some people called her Flossie. College friends, Flossie, right? I, um, Dental Flossie, no, Flossie, Flo, Flossie, Florence, right? Flo's uh, uh, And so you had all these like different names. So she called her Flossie, and. Um, she would tell her about Jesus and her friend would say, oh, you know, I'm so happy that works for you, Flossie. That's good. You know, many times people think, well, Christianity, that's just a product of your own mind. Well, the good news that Jesus appeared to 500, that he appeared to all those people, Paul is saying, no, 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 this is fact of history. If you don't believe it, go talk to Sam. Go talk to Bob. Go talk to George. Like like he's saying, there are people that are still alive. You want to check out my story, go talk with them. Like we could prove that this happened, that Jesus did rise from the dead. He's not a product of your own imagination. And why is it important that he isn't a product of our own imagination? Because we need a voice from outside of us when we hate ourselves that can say, I love you. You need a voice outside of yourself when you hate yourself that says, I love you. And we also need a voice outside of ourselves that isn't our own voice that will direct us and correct us when we're going astray. We need that voice from outside to speak into our lives. And we're saved, he would say, from the penalty of sin. I mean, the wages of sin is death, and there's this death penalty. That's why it's so important. And as you go through this chapter, Paul refers to death as an enemy. When was the last time you thought of death as an enemy? I mean, it really, it's kind of surprising, isn't it? I mean, we don't always see it as an enemy. The world now just goes, oh, it's natural. You know, you wake, you die, you go back. But, but Paul says it's an enemy. He says, for, we, for he, the Lord Jesus, must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be abolished is death. That's my granddaughter, That's my mom's grave. Um, But the last enemy to be abolished is death. An enemy. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And, and you have Corinthians later on that says, O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the Lord has taken victory over death. Some years ago, I was, uh, took a train out to California... And uh, for my brother's daughter's wedding. A- and a friend from high school lived out really near where, my, um, where I was going. And so on Facebook, I looked her up and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And, and so Ben was with me and her kids were with me, even though it looks like we were there alone. They took the picture. And it was so much fun catching up with this friend from high school after decades. Becky's her name. And as we were talking, her dad had been a pastor. And her dad passed, and she said, you know, as my dad was dying, he talked about, like, am I, am I really worthy? Am I, you know, I, I haven't been good enough. I haven't been, you know, and isn't this the way we are many times? I mean, in our hearts, we are wired for the law, aren't we? Bad things happen. Do you ever have the thought, I'm being punished? Or how about the other thought? How could God do this to such a good person as me? Right? I mean, the law is in our hearts, and this pastor so needed to be re- reminded of the gospel. Luther talks about two kinds of righteousness. He talks about an active righteousness, and that would be considered like, Betty, you make meals for, the, for needy, not, not all homeless, but under-resourced people. Do that weekly, um, and, and that's an active righteousness. Right, right, you know, like the, the, the things you do that are good, you give, you serve, right? You, you um, have this secret stuff that, that is beautiful in ways that you serve others, and maybe they don't even know that you do that. That's active righteousness. But Luther also talked about another kind of righteousness, with, which is a passive righteousness. And this is the righteousness that God just gives us by grace. So when he looks at us, he sees the work of Christ the finished work of Christ, that he lived the perfect life, took our punishment, and he looks at us and he says, you're righteous. We find it absurd. We don't really get it. We all get active righteousness, but we don't get the passive righteousness. And I was thinking about this when I listened to an interview by Michael J. Fox, the Back to the Future and other fame, and he was being interviewed on a program, I believe it's called Fresh Air by, by Terry Gross, and she says, Michael... You know, you say that the last thing to go is the future. But some people believe that there is a future after death. That there is an afterlife. Do you? And did you ever believe that? I'm a pastor, very curious what Back to the Future celebrity was going to say to this. He said, I don't have a complex orthodoxy. I have a vague spiritualism that tells me if I live a good life, good things will happen. You know, have you ever heard those stories of like a little boy and he's walking and and he like falls down a well and gets stuck down there? That little boy probably wasn't really a bad boy, but a bad thing happened to him. Or how about, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, there's a boy, a seven-year-old boy standing in his yard and a sinkhole opened up and swallowed him and covered him up and they, he died in there. And I, I don't know, but I, don't, I think sometimes bad things just happen, right? I think the little boy, you know, in general, a seven-year-old boy, I mean, they can be brats, but they're pretty good kids, right? Uh, and, and he says, if I live a good life, good things will happen. It doesn't always work that way. But I don't have any, expect, uh, any expected reward or expected afterlife like that. I, I just want to make the most of this life and make a positive impact, Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, make as positive an impact as I can on people around me and be grateful for their love and attention and try to do something, you know, worthwhile, not counting on getting a do-over. Now, can I say Michael J. Fox is probably a nicer, better person than I ever will be, you know, but this is the law in our hearts. This is how we're all wired. This is how I was wired before Christ came into my life. It's like, God, I, I, I'm, I'm good, and God loves good people. Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. I mean, the law, we all get it. We all understand the active righteousness. We don't understand the passive righteousness. Some years ago, uh, uh, two people came into my office, and they were from China, and they say, Pastor we want religion. No kidding, we want religion. In China, no one have religion. In America, everyone have religion, we want religion. I'm like, wow, how do I share about Jesus with these guys? And then I remembered something I had heard somebody else talk about, and I said, well, tell me this. If you had a recording device hanging around your neck ever since you were a child, and every time you went up to somebody, or said to somebody, you ought to do this, you should do this, this is the best way to live, you know, you must do this, you must live like this, that was recorded. And, and then at the end of your days, you stood before paradise, and, and you could go into paradise based on how well you lived up to your own woulds, shoulds, coulds, musts, would you be able to get into paradise And they both dropped their head and said no. See, the law is written on our hearts. Like, we we know it, but we can't live up to it. See, I believe only when you see that are you even able to hear the gospel or begin to hear the gospel. The only thing we need is a need, and few people had it. And I was able to tell them about the one who who did live up to all the shoulds and coulds and musts and, and did it for us, the passive righteousness uh, Luther, Martin Luther said this, he said, the passive righteousness is a mystery that the world cannot understand. Indeed, Christians never completely understand it themselves and thus do not take advantage of it when they are troubled and tempted. So we, are con- so we have to constantly teach it Repeat it and work it out in practice. Anyone who does not understand this righteousness or cherish it in the heart and conscience will continually be buffeted by fears and depression. Why? Because you can't live up to your own standards. Uh, Nothing will give peace like this passive righteousness. For human beings by nature, when they get near uh, either death, I'm sorry, danger or death itself, will of necessity examine their own worthiness. We defend ourselves before all threats by recounting our good deeds and moral efforts. But then the remembrance of sin and flaws inevitably come to mind. And this tears us apart. And we think, how many errors and sins and wrongs have I done, please God, let me live so I can fix and amend them. We become obsessed with our active righteousness and terrified by our imperfections. But the real evil is that we trust our own power to be righteous and will not lift our eyes to see what Christ has done for us. The troubled conscience has no cure for desperation and feelings of unworthiness unless it takes hold of the forgiveness of sins by grace. Offered free of charge in Jesus Christ which is this passive or Christian righteousness. If I tried to fulfill the law myself, I could not trust in what I had accomplished. Neither could I stand up to the judgment of God. So I rest only upon the righteousness of Christ, which I don't produce, but receive. God the Father freely giving it to us through Jesus Christ. Gretchen, she proves my sermons. And I didn't have Luther down. Who wrote that? Those words are wonderful. I'm like Martin Luther. You see, the reality is we've been saved from the penalty of sin. But we are being saved from the power of sin in our lives. So how do we grow? How how do we continue to, to allow this salvation to work out in and through us? I think there's some answers in this next section. He says, and last of all, as to one untimely born. So the word for untimely born, the word that's translated untimely born, could also be translated as to a miscarriage. Like Paul is saying, all the other apostles, they like live with Jesus, spent time with him, walk with him, like did this stuff. Me, I came late to the game. Not only late to the game, I was like a miscarriage. And he appeared to me. For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called apostles because I persecuted the church of God. What do you think it was like to be Paul who had come back to Jerusalem and he might rub shoulders with the family of the people who he presided over them being thrown in jail or their uncle or cousin or whatever being stoned to death. Like Paul was a persecutor and, and, and he says, I, I, I'm the least of the apostles, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace within me. You know, I think Paul knew what it was like to be forgiven. You guys know that story where Jesus, true story where he goes into like a guy's house and back in the day they had this uh, custom of washing feet. Like my feet and your feet probably aren't too bad. I mean, you might have stinky feet under those shoes. But can you imagine, like, just walking in sandals? You know, they didn't have, like, the normal sewage. It's like, it, it just wasn't that clean out there. It's kind of like dog's feet. You know, they step in everything, right? And and so you've got, uh, you've got a custom that when you come in people's house, they'd wash your feet. And Jesus goes, in this guy's house, nobody washes his feet. Nobody greets him with a kiss. It was a custom back in the day. And then this lady who possibly had a reputation of being a prostitute, possibly, comes in, starts weeping. And her tears are washing his feet. She's wiping them with her hair. Like her face is close to his feet. And, and the people are like, what is going on here? And Jesus says, you know what? Her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus looks at this woman. She's washing his feet. And he goes, your sins are forgiven. And, and the, the people are like, what's going on? And Jesus gave us something that is so true that will help us grow in Christ. If you know how much you've been forgiven, you will love more. If you, if you remember what a scumbag you are, you will love more. When you feel not treated right and you're ready to react or overreact, maybe you need to quickly have your mind go to, wait, Lord, how many times do I treat you poorly, but you don't pound me? Help me to give them the grace that you give me every day. Do you know how to work on your own heart with the gospel? Like when you are quickly offended, when you aren't feeling like you're getting your due, when you, like, are you able to say, hold it, wait a minute, and turn your mind and turn your attention off of that interpersonal relationship and onto your relationship with Jesus and start saying, Lord, wait a minute, I don't treat you so well, but you keep loving and giving me. I mean, that's the juice of life. That's, that's what the scriptures are full of and when you know how sinful you are and how loved you are it empowers marriages it empowers work relationships it empowers church relationships like this is the gospel that makes us one and then he says I labored even more than all of you yet not I but the grace of God within me isn't that beautiful? I I pray for myself and for you that God would give us more and more of his grace so we can be about his work on this earth. I mean, because then when he answers your prayer, you can't go, hey, look at me. Look how good I'm doing. You know, Billy's not going to go, Pastor Doug, am I more humble this year than last year? Right? No, it'll just like happen. Uh, You are more humble, Billy. Uh, I like what John Donne in his poem, Batter My Heart, Three-Person God prayed he said take me to you and imprison me for i except you enthrall me shall never be free nor chaste except you ravish me what is he saying god my heart is is sold to another there's so many other loves in my life and i need you I need your gift, your spirit to come and ravish this heart, ravish this mind, capture my attention, divorce me from the world, tie me back to you. Is that part of your prayer life? And then Paul said, but I labored even more than all of them. And you know, sometimes I think as Christians, we do, we do go into autopilot, right? Right? Like you work at your work, you you worship your work, you work at your play, and you play at your worship, right? You, you, you uh, worship your work, you work at your play, and play at your worship. I think I'm quoting Oz Guinness. And, and many times I think we we don't think about work in terms of the Christian life. But frankly, if you want good relationships with people, you've got to work at it. Somebody turned me on to this one thing that has like questions to get to know your spouse better. You're like, "What? 35 years, don't you know her enough?" Right? No, like they're great great questions. I'm like, "I'm going to start using some of these." Why? Because I it's a good thing to work at. I think about Billy, you know, he he plays drums all over the place, but I heard him talking this morning, "I've got a show coming up here and I got to put some time in." Why? So if it works in the in the in the physical world, it's the same in the spiritual world. Like, if you look at your life and say, I'm not growing, I want to ask, have you joined a Bible study? Do you read the Bible? Do you spend any time in prayer? Are there prayers that haven't been answered and you've been praying them for a long time? Maybe you could fast a meal. You don't have to tell anybody you're doing it, but maybe you fast a meal. And, and when you're hungry during that meal time, spend some time in prayer for that Thing. Like, like are, is there anything that you're doing that could be called labor? Part of this uh, chapter that I didn't put in there was interesting. He says, hey, wake up. Get out of your drunken stupor. Bad company corrupts good character. Some people are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. What is he saying? Gosh, you guys don't even let your friends know about Jesus? Like, like not that much effort? you know, how is your Christian life and how is the labor in that? So I'm going to close with this, the the last point about we are saved from the, the presence of sin, the actual presence of sin. He says, Now I say to you, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. And the dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable must put on the imperishable. And the mortal must put on immortality. Then will come about the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death where is your victory. Death where is your sting. The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Death, where is your victory? I I watched this little thing about Johnny having COVID. Is the the sound unmuted? And um, I'm just going to end with it. I find it very moving. I, if you don't know her story, just a, she was in a diving accident in her teens, paralyzed from the neck down. More and but she has this wonderful ministry, um, and it has like a little radio thing, and and gets wheelchairs and and stuff for people all over the world. I mean, just this wonderful ministry. She also has had breast cancer. She's had lots of suffering in her life, and most recently she had COVID.
1: As you know, I've been struggling with COVID and I thank you for praying me up and out of it. Although, I don't know, maybe you can tell my lungs are telling me I'm not quite in the clear. Being a quadriplegic, it was so hard to breathe, especially at night in bed. And when I was told I had COVID, I thought, this is a death sentence. (laughs) But my disability had already taught me how to carry even this cross. For when I trusted him to see me through, even if it did yes mean death, when I, when I gave it all up to him, I, I could feel God take gentle firm possession of this strange affliction and, and begin to do a work in me. It was as though the Lord pressed me. Johnny, do you believe me that I will never leave you or forsake you? That I am your ever present help in this trouble? that doubting me only makes things worse? Do do you believe my grace is sufficient, whether I take you home or uh, assign you to remain? Do you trust me? And in the dark, in bed, I cried out, Yes, Lord, I believe. And then in the ensuing hours and days, I felt this wonderfully odd calmness and almost indifference to how much it might hurt or how it would end and i felt perfectly still under the hand of god he pulled me close into a shelter and i i felt myself resting in the shadow of the almighty and it felt blessed
0: amen lord open us up to all that you would have thank you amen Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to
1: www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.